All right, gentlemen, we are back. This is the Emergency Nine Golf Podcast. I am Mike Maroney, your host, alongside Tom Strange, Jay Woodson, McLean Boyd. Well, gents, we got some company tonight. I think we're in trouble. One of our dads is here. <laughs> you know, never, never a good sign when one of the dads shows up to try to straighten us out. I feel like we're going to get one of those talks. You know, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed in you. You know, I raised you better than this kind of thing. But, um, Someone with way more knowledge and experience than we have. Uh, it's a pleasure to welcome uh, World Golf Hall of Famer and Tom Strange's dad, Mr. Curtis Strange. Welcome to the show. Thank you, man. I uh, Thanks for having me. And uh, let's have some fun and talk golf. We all enjoy it. You must really love Tom to come on this show. So that's all I'll say. <laughs> this will not be any hard-hitting questions. We're not Mike Tirico. So uh, this should be a lot of fun. But I'll get it started right off the bat. I'll kind of go with more of a uh, serious topic here. You know, the world of golf has been talking about Bryson DeChambeau and distance. And is it a problem? The USGA RNA came out and said, hey, we want to look at equipment rollbacks. What is your take on this as a former player? You know, obviously, it sounds like a lot of the players on tour are against it. Architects have one opinion. Players have another opinion. Rules makers have another. So, um, you know, as a World Golf Hall of Fame, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the issues, if there are any, um, in golf today. Mike, that's part of the problem. We all have different opinions and issues and reasons why it should or should not be done. Um, you, mess, you, you mentioned Bryson. Let's, let's, let's pick him a little bit. He is the, the new age guy that has proven that the argument for golf ball going too far or club heads being too big per driver, uh, he has proven that Part of the equation that has not been talked about enough is the athlete, okay? Everybody's 6'3 or 6'4, DJ, uh, you know, Davis in this day, all of them are big and stronger and run faster and jump higher than we did. But Bryson has taken it to another level about speed versus mass versus long drive mentality, okay? And it was only yesterday we didn't think that 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 part of the – that mindset could really play the game well well he's proven us wrong uh, does that hold up that's a discussion for another day does the body hold up can he continue to play well enough but he's proven it right now to be right and he's taken a lot of the the long drive mentality to the golf course to the pga tour um, therefore the talk on equipment is amped up uh, i don't know what you do um I really think there's there's some validity in bifurcation rules for pros versus amateurs, but we have to remember, and I think Roy McIlroy is pretty much the voice of the PGA Tour now because he's level-headed, and he said, and I agree, that you're only talking about 0.01% of the golf population in the world, the professionals. So let's not panic if a few professionals are knocking at nine miles and let's think about the average player at the club, who is the backbone of the game, what it means to them to be able to hit it a little bit straighter and a little bit longer. I completely agree with that. So I, from my standpoint, just grow some friggin' rough guys, make the priority of driving the golf ball in the fairway. Once again, like it used to be, make it a priority in the game. There's not enough rough. They hit it farther. So, therefore, they're stronger than we are. So, therefore, they should have longer and thicker rough than we did. And if they do that, 
then it's going to make them think a little bit before they pull out and try to hit it, you know, 380 or 400 yards off every tee, which Bryson is pretty much doing now. Yeah. I, I yeah, I agree hundred percent. We've talked about this in the past. Um, you know, if you want to make the, the course difficult, I mean, look at, look at how you've played us opens in the past, Curtis, almost every us open that you've played in, they grow the rough up. They make the greens a little firmer, a little faster. They may, they may tighten the fairways a little bit. What happens to the scores? They go up. So regardless of how far these guys hit it, you know, if you really want to, if you really want to toughen these golf courses up, I mean, look at, we talked about some of the, the U.S. Opens that they had, uh, you know, what was the one that they had not too long ago with Justin Rose won? Marion. At, uh, Marion. Marion, yeah. I mean, that course wasn't very long, and, and he's shot one over par, I think. Um, you, you narrow the fairways, grow the rough up, firm the greens up. You can do that week in and week out. And I think if the PGA Tour finds a blend uh, for entertainment purposes, they like to watch these guys smash driver, and I think that's a good thing. But uh, to your point, I think – We'd be doing the fans a disservice by rolling these, rolling the clubs back, rolling the balls back, because now, you know, as a fan, you're watching. Oh well, they they play a different ball. Well, I want to play, you know, I want to play the same stuff that the, the the tour guys are playing. But if you have two sets of rules, it, it becomes a it becomes a little convoluted, and uh, I think it loses the the luster there for people watching on TV. TV for the entertainment factor. Jay, you make some good points there. Let me, let me, let me get to those. Is that first of all, bifurcation, some of the beauty of this game is that the guy at the foundry can play the same equipment, the same balls that Bryson DeChambeau plays or DJ or Tiger or whoever. That's part of the beauty of the game. Uh, so that's a good argument for not doing that. Um, Players now can overpower golf course. I don't think making the courses 78, 79, or 8,000 yards long is the answer because we prove we prove that fault at Aaron Hills at the U.S. Open three year, four years ago when Kepka shot 17 under and yeah. it played 77 or 78. So that's not the answer. The answer is to make them think and play the game, yeah. not bomb it and then hit wedge on the green. Uh, uh, you know, Marion, though, I will say this. In a U.S. Open, Mike Davis, when he became the, the, the caretaker of the golf course setup, he started to have the graduated rough. Graduated rough means basically you're widening the fairways because these guys are so big and strong to 40 or 45 yards. That wasn't the answer. Um, that, that's been proven. Uh, so grow some rough up. Make the priority. Number one, to put it in the fairway. Then if you do that, to put it on the green and then to make a putt. But the number one priority to any golf course or any round of golf is to put it in the fairway, which sets up the second shot, which sets up the ability to make a putt. And if you don't, then par is going to be tough to be made. And that's the way U.S. Open should be. The, conversely, on the PGA Tour, there's a mix of watching – them to hit the home run and then shooting 17 or 18 in a par. But there's no reason why you can't have a mix of, of golf courses. The hard course, sure. tougher. you know, take Memorial at uh, Jack's place, grow a little rough up, but historically they've had wide fairways. Anyway, the point is have a mix, have a mix, make them think and make them play the game. Well, also, yeah. and, TV and, and Tom, I know you want to, yeah. Well, I'd just say, you know, how much, how much dad do, you know, the, the kind of the, the underlying, you know, theme, uh, theme's the wrong word, but T 
TV contract, there's big money involved here. So it's like, you know, the, the, the everyday consumer that's watching golf, you know, we want to see guys drive it, you know, driving the fairways, you know, longer rough, but TV contracts have to have a lot of influence on that. Don't they? As to no, me, they don't have any influence, but it, it is the underlying thought that when, when people come to the golf course to watch DJ or when they tune in to, to watch back when Tiger was the longest at one, when he first came out, other than John Daly, he was the longest. Yeah. So whoever the longest is at the time, they tune in to watch that. And Hit if him. all of a sudden you see a guy lay up three or four times, <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's just disappointing. <laughs> Look, we're all it's the same. I don't want to watch Bryson DeChambeau hit four iron off tee. You know, I want to see him hit driver as hard yeah. as he possibly can. You know, yeah. I did the I did the PGA last September remotely from home, and I did the feature groups because I didn't want to get on an airplane because of COVID. But uh, I had uh, Finau and DeChambeau in the third, the last group. That was our feature group on Sunday. Man. I couldn't wait to watch these guys play. Couldn't hit drivers. Wait to you want to see him hit drivers? Played hard. Could not want, wait to watch, and they didn't disappoint because DeChambeau, when and they both birdied the first two holes. I'm going, and you know, announcers get fired up just like anybody else. And it was yeah. more fun for me to watch this, but I did learn how erratic it can be if that long guy doesn't drive it reasonably straight. Yeah, you think in between the trees. Do you think equipment's taking the But then therein lies some fun, too, because then it's like when Tiger was last in driving accuracy one year and and first in greens of regulation, which is inhuman to me statistically, but he was. To watch Phil or Tiger or Bryson out of the trees, people love that, too. Yeah. So it's a, it's a mix. It's a mix back and forth. And, uh, uh you know, you get what you get, but the but the game to get back to to Mike's original question, the game is evolving every day, and you know, uh, and I think the players should have a say in it. I really think they should have a say in it because they're the show. But they're, also, like getting, we're they're also getting paid by the equipment companies, though. Yeah, yeah, and then to go back to your question, where do you stop technology? Yeah. The, the testing has not kept up with the technology. It's just like testing of steroids in the day. Mm-hmm. The testing <laughs> didn't keep up with the steroid use. got to be one so step ahead. Point. That's yeah, a really good point. One step ahead. We won't go, we won't go there tonight, okay? The <laughs> but, but, you know, where do you stop technology? I'm a Titleist guy, so I've always had to be a little careful. But honest to goodness, you know, the ball does go a long way. And the game is so, so different than, than when I played the spinny golf ball, the, 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 because it spun so much, therefore you had to learn to hit more shots. You know, the driver, the, the clubs didn't lift it in the air. It's a completely different game, but I will say this before we get into it is that there's no doubt in my mind, the top players of today with our, if they had the old equipment would be the top players of the old equipment because you can't, you can't take away talent. It would modify. They'd have to change your swing a little bit. Jay, you might have to change that swing a little bit. Yeah. But you would still become 
as good a player as you were with the modern equipment. They just know because they're great athletes, they're very skilled and they, they, just like you said, they, they accommodate to what they have. You know, it's, it's hard to compare these generations. Like who's better, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Bill Russell. Well, they all are because they were the best in their generation. So you give Bobby Jones a, a graphite shaft and a 460, 60 CC head uh, in a week, he'd figure out how to do it. And he would beat you with that club too. So, you know, vice versa. Um, Absolutely. And that's, that's the kicker. And, and, And to your point there with these guys hitting these long balls, I mean, it's, it's still amazing that Bryson, as far as he's hitting it, as hard as he's hitting it, that he was hitting it as straight as he was, which I think is a skill set in in itself that you can swing a club 200 miles an hour, uh, or I'm sorry, you get a ball speed 200 miles an hour and still keep it between the trees is, is, is crazy. I mean, it's crazy. So it's that, purely physics, Jay. It's purely, yeah. The farther you yeah. hit it, the harder it is to hit that straight yeah. in a 30 yard wide fairway. I agree with you. How good do you, if you're hitting it 350 or 60 or 70, God, you have to be good to put it in a fairway. So good. So there so so lies the gamble of putting it up there and hitting the short iron to the green mm-hmm. versus laying back and hitting six iron into the green. I don't know who wins, but the numbers have, have the numbers have spoken. And the closer you get it to the green, the better off you are. Yeah. But it's it's just like the it's it's like basketball now, right? They, the the numbers, the analytics show that you shoot more threes. You're gonna you're gonna score more points. Exactly, it's the same yeah. thing. Is, is there more risk? Absolutely. And and as you just said, that's a great point. Like, who are who are we, and not we, but who is you know the the governing bodies of golf to take that from someone? And say, look, you know, yes, you might hit it 370, but your risk your risk is much greater in doing so. So if you're willing yeah. to take that risk, then power to you. So and let's be honest, like these guys. You know, Tony Finau, you know, T2, as we like to call him, top 10, Tony. Uh, I'm getting ready to bring him up. Yeah, yeah. But Imagine that. Like, if it was one thing, it's just kind of like the belly putter, right? Remember the whole thing? Oh, it's going to ruin uh, the game. Oh, let me tell you. But yeah. it's just like this. Yeah. We're not seeing every – Kyle Morikawa hits it a long ways for his size, but he's not one of the, you know, bombers. So if these guys were winning every week, it would be, you know, a, a bigger concern. But, like – you know, let's be honest, golf's not as cool as basketball or football or some of these other sports. So anything we do to like make it less cool than shame on us. Yeah, that's right. You know, there, well, that, there's a, that's there's the a lot of, there's a, there's a lot of players and a, and a lot of top amateurs. I'm not so sure about the amateurs, but there's a lot of professionals out there thinking, why should the USGA be making the rules for the, that really, really small number of professionals? Yeah. The tour doesn't want to touch it. I think the tour should make their own some of their own local rules because we're a we're we're a different breed there's no this is apples and oranges comparing professional golf around the world to the amateur game is yeah. the, the resemblance is same equipment and that's it and so who are they to outlaw the belly putter and possibly take away the career of Keegan Bradley Webb Simpson and Tim uh your Tim Clark, Tim, Tim Clark. Tim Clark and in a few words, I got to tell you what Webb Simpson has done on that note Incredible. to go from take his belly putter away, and he's he's learned to use the other putter and has become a top putter and played extraordinarily well the last two years. My hat is off to him because it takes a lot of guts, a lot of a lot of mental fortitude, and just uh, he didn't give up. 
Well, and it's crazy. I think his stats are actually better than they were with the belly putter. So he might yeah. be the only person who actually, in the long run, found an advantage in not being able to putt with it. It forced him into a uh, a unique, uh, what's the best way to say it, uh, stance or method. But he's yeah. actually benefiting from it. But yeah. let's not forget one thing, though. For him to do just that, people out there have no idea how much he's worked at it. And how yeah, Hardy worked at it to transform into that new technique and become on tour under pressure to be as good as he is now. It's people have no idea the time and effort put into something like that. Well, and also with Webb's, yeah, no discredit. You know, Jay and I were talking earlier about Webb and there's a couple other names thrown in there. And you know, Dad, like you know, you were a fierce competitor, and you know, you wore it on your sleeve. And everybody knew that, but like a guy like Webb Simpson or who else we talk about, Jay? Uh, Matt Kuchar, these guys, yeah. you know, they come off as these kind of happy go lucky, you know, but like Webb Simpson wants to beat your brains in. Um, he is a fierce competitor. Matt Kuchar's, you know, the same way. So, yeah. you know, let's not. They all are. Yeah. They wouldn't be where they are if they weren't. Exactly. Some people show it more. I will say this every, every generation has some that are so talented physically. They don't have it here too much, but they do well. They never reach that potential that we think they might because they don't have the killer instinct or they don't compete as hard as the next guy. Uh, and then, then you see some that physically you say, my gosh, he, he's just going to linger and he might last a little bit. And all of a sudden he does pretty doggone well because he has what it takes to compete. And he's not scared. He ain't scared. That's to be on stage. He's not scared to be on stage, and he's cocky as hell, maybe outwardly, but he's extremely confident inside. Yeah. That kind of leads me to my next question is, so Tony Finau is a big uh, talking point for us and just how well he's playing but but not winning. And you look at Colin Morikawa. I was reading an article this morning that in roughly the same time span of when Morikawa's been on tour, they have about roughly the total strokes gained is about the same. It's like 1.5. However, in that time frame, Morikawa's won four times. Finau won zero. Is is winning a skill, right? So Finau's got all kinds of skill, but is winning a skill that Morikawa has over Finau? Or is it come down to luck and breaks? No, no. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes a break here and there, but no, it's about, uh, it's about competing. Um, you know, it's about, uh, I've heard, you know, because Tony's been in the news a lot lately and some people think he just gets a little quick and a little off on Sunday, uh, short swings, get a little shorter. Uh, maybe he doesn't putt as well as some of the others. I've heard that, you know, I haven't been around the game enough through TV to really know exactly. I can look at the numbers, but sometimes the numbers don't mean Jack to me. I want to see a guy really compete up close on the weekend to see how he really reacts to it. Uh, he looks like he does okay emotionally, but, uh, uh, and then you got uh, uh, Morikawa who has been a winner from day one. You know, he was the, I think he was an NCAA champion or, or PAC 10 and, and player of the year or whatever. So my point is he's come up and he's been the best. So he knows how to finish. Finish is a, I don't know if finish is somewhat of an acquired skill. The more you're there, the more comfortable you get. The more you win, the more comfortable you become winning. But it all comes from within to start with. 
And you can't be scared on that stage. Um, and it's the grandest stage you can ever, it's what you dream about. And it's the grandest stage that you will ever be on. Jesus, don't be scared now because you've tracked, you've tried your whole life to get there. And in Tony's case, I don't have an answer, but I will say this. I heard this two weeks ago. You know, I still talk and love the game and, and, and stay involved that Tony gets a little quick, short and quick on Sunday with his swing. You know what I'm telling him? It ain't real tough, pal. Tony, if you think in the last 10 holes or so, you get a little short and quick, think one thing, get long and slow. <laughs> That's right. Do the opposite. Get long and slow, and therefore yeah. your swing is going to be the same distance and, and, and speed. It's not yeah. hard. And because, yeah. Tony, you have nothing to lose. You're not doing well your, your way you're doing it. So just try this other yeah. way. Now, I don't know if that's the case. I don't know if he's missing a few putts. All I know is that he's such a talent and such a good kid that uh, maybe if he wins once or twice, which we all know he eventually will, uh, he'll yeah. get a taste and he really likes it. What I don't like is somebody will say, well, he's got a lot of wins in his future. He's so talented. That's that's hogwash. You know, you got to yeah. prove it to him. So anyway. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I mean, I, I think to that point, though, you're, you're right. I think there's definitely there's a there's a skill set that you have to have uh, to get on the PJ Tour. And he certainly has it um, yeah. genetically. You know, he's got he's six five. He's got a wingspan of a, you know, six ten, you know, guy. Yeah. So he from a from a physical standpoint he's got all the skills um but you you're correct there there is a there's a skill set in learning how to win 100% like you you have to do it and you have to even in in tiger has done this you've done this and you start at the smaller scale you know tiger won his you know his county championship and you know when, well he did it when he was 2 or 3 yeah, yeah. <laughs> in california but you did the same thing in Virginia. You won the Virginia State Amateur when you were a teenager. And then you went on to win the NCAA championship. Then you went on to win a PGA Tour event. And then you went on to win a U.S. Open. You start and you work your way up. And I think Tony may have skipped a couple steps. And he because he's so talented and he's been put on this pedestal because he keeps having all these top tens. And I think everyone's expecting him. And I almost wish he would just say, hey, guys, you know what? I'm playing the best I can. I'm not ready. I've only been on tour for five years. I'm not, I'm not ready to win these tournaments. If he could just say that and say, I'm working on it. I'm not ready to do it yet. I'm not as good as those guys. But, and we talked about this last week, he's protecting his confidence a little bit when he answers these questions to to the media. Like he has to, he has to say, Hey, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. Winning and learning how to win. It's such a finicky thing and no one can really put their finger on it unless they've done it and they know like hey I know how to do this I draw on these past memories to give myself confidence uh, and some guys like you said some guys are better at it they learn it quicker than others um, but I w- I'll be honest I'm a fan because I know him he's a good guy I'll take the guy who finishes you know second week after week after week and, and with the hopes that eventually you know if he does yeah. it once or twice he'll figure it out um, so you, you know you, oh, you, I agree yeah. but you know with all that being said you can never judge what's right here in your heart. You can't. You can't. How badly he wants it. Yeah. Can no. I tell you a story? Can I, don't I tell, know that. You can don't I tell know you a cocky little story? This is this is kind of the, the Tony Finale of we what we're looking at. And I'm gonna tell you a cocky little story that involved me. 
I'm playing Memphis one year. Not, not um, either. You don't have any I, I, stories. I, I, I'm playing. I'm playing with Hubert Green, who's the toughest son of a bitch competitor oh. you ever played with. <laughs> I love you. We were good friends. Playing yeah. with him. Last group. He had, he's he's a couple back. I'm playing. There's four guys at 15 under par on the back of the green in the clubhouse. I'm at 15 under par, playing the last hole, par five. I couldn't get on it two, but I wasted six feet above the hole. Hubert putts down. I, he said, what do you want me to do? Putt, putt, mark, whatever. I said, putt and get the hell out of my way. Number one. <laughs> and he liked, and I said it to him because he would appreciate it. Yeah. And I thought to myself, I was thinking to myself, you know what? My goal right here is to ruin four guys' dinner tonight. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to make this thing. And I did make it. And it's just, that's all hearsay. But I, my thought process was, I wanted to ruin their night tonight by making this putt. And nice guys don't think like that. And, and I, and I just, it's, 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 it's a mentality you have to have. And that's just a real example to, to motivate yourself. But that's just an example of things you do out there and things you think to yourself that you would never say verbally yeah. because people would crucify you especially now on social media, but you do anything that you possibly can to motivate yourself and, and to take the pressure off and to, to, to get it done. And uh, uh, that brings me to, uh, that reminds me of a good story, Curtis, you may remember this. I think it was in uh, uh, Chicago, maybe in the late eighties, 80, 88, 89. Uh, the photographer who clipped the, the uh clipped a couple shots and your back yeah. backed off and you said hey he's like come on buddy you know you yeah. know i don't know if that's exactly what you said but he said hey, no it on. wasn't it wasn't <laughs> no, that, well, that was that was how you prefaced it you gave the guy an out you said hey hey come on man give me a break i'm yeah. trying to get a shot here i'm trying to win a tournament so you go to hit a shot he he takes another shot right in your backswing you flail something off to the right and then I think there was a series of events that happened after with the camera and you said a few other expletives, which is fine. Uh, but the cool thing about that story uh, was that you went back uh, to, uh, to the, uh, was it, who was the, the commissioner then? Was it uh, Beeman? Be Dean Beeman? Beeman? It might've been Beeman. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it, they didn't make these fines public back then. You know, it was it was not you. It wasn't a, like a thing. You were like you, you may have gotten fined privately, but you said, "Hey, you know what? That's fine. Let everybody know that I should be fined here. Uh, yeah. You know, I'll apologize. I'll take the credit because, in the end of the day, we're all human and we kind of re react and respond. Let me show you how you do it. Let me teach everyone else. You know, let's teach my kids like this is the way you do it. Because in the end of the day, I want to be a good guy to do the right thing, not a nice guy. Nobody wants to be a nice guy." You want to be a good guy. A good guy is the guy who does the right thing. They mess up. They, they yeah. fess up to it. They say, hey, this is the way you do it. I didn't do it right. I'm human. And then when then we move forward, we learn from it. So I don't know. That story just sticks out. I just well, think it's super cool. Well, I'll tell you just how been it there. That. I was going to say, it sticks you out to you, Jay, because you've done the same thing. So <laughs> I've done the same thing. I've had to apologize a lot. Yeah, it was in the PGA Championship at, uh, at yeah. Kemper Lakes. Yeah. And it was the last round and I had five holes to go and I was two back and I really thought I could get part of this. And, and uh, you're on such edge, you're on such yeah. edge out there. And, yeah. and I snapped at the guy and I was wrong. He was wrong. I was wrong, but I searched him out and I apologize and I apologize publicly, but it's just, it's just what happens. I mean, it's yeah. competition. 
And, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, you don't feel good about it afterwards, but golly, it's, uh, you know, you, you might, you might cost me the opportunity to win a major championship. Yeah. And we don't get a chance to win, but very, very few, if any. And, uh, you know, I snap, but it's just kind of what happens, but that's all kind of being in the game. Yeah. Being in the I, game. I think, I think, you know, I, and, and most of you guys don't, don't know this stuff, but I mean, Curtis, you, you got, I mean, you're one of the most generous guys I know you, my wife and I lived in a house in Moorhead city, North Carolina for next to nothing. I mean, and we rented it from you and Sarah. Um, I mean, and we're forever, you know, grateful for, for that. And I think a lot of you, you really did a good job of, of fooling everybody into thinking you were a complete asshole for 20 years on tour, but you're really not, you know, I mean, you are, I mean, we are, we, you're, you know, we, we still hold, hold everything that you guys have done for us, uh, dearly. And, uh, I think, I think it's good. Like I said, it's good to be a good guy doing the right thing. And it's, it's better to do that than to be this nice guy. It's like this facade, like, Oh, I just want to be the nice guy. You don't, you don't, I'm not showing you any emotion. You don't really yeah. know who I am, but I'd much rather see the guy who tells you how he's thinking, how he's feeling. It's real. It's important. I'm passionate about it. You know, but authentic so, Jay bird, authentic, right? I mean, to, yeah, authentic, to genuine, yeah. you know, like, you know, authentic. well, I'd rather be good at a few things and okay at a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. that's right. That's right. So, anyway, that's right. Um, anyway, so I, I want to go back a little bit about, you know, you brought up a good point about Tony and his career path versus some of the others that we've seen. Um, you know, when I say that, I mean the, you know, the, the amateur ranks, the college ranks. Um, and, you know, so the USGA announced the uh, Walker Cup team, or, you know, our, our Walker Cup team here. Yeah. And I know that's, you know, Dad, you, your amateur golf career is um, very dear to you. It's, it's, you know, you've, you've mentioned it multiple times that it's, it's some of the, you know, most precious memories you have, whether it's, you know, winning, you know, Virginia state junior championships all the way up, you know, through some of your, uh, you know, later accolades in the amateur ranks. So I want to talk a little bit about Walker cup. Um, but then also, you know, it's, it's kind of a cool correlation. What we talked about with Tony, like, so a guy like Tony Finau who doesn't get that experience does that negatively affect a guy like that? Whereas a guy like a Colin Morikawa who played in college, who, you know, learn how, I mean, look, I think you got to learn how to win. Just, you got to learn how to lose just like you got to learn how to win. You know, yeah. obviously you want to do, you know, more of the latter, but um, talk a little bit about Walker cup being at Seminole, which is pretty cool. Um, oh, on Walker cup team. So go. Well, I was, it was 1975 and we had, we were, we were young and cocky. There was eight of us. Where'd y'all play? I thought it was eight of us. Was it 10 of us? Maybe we went, we played at St. Andrews, ah. 10 of us. We had, we had Bill Campbell, who yeah. was an old timer in our, in our eyes, Vinnie Giles, who was still, she's the best of, of all. And we had Dick Sitteroff. The rest of us were college kids pretty much. So we were young and cocky going to St. Andrews. First time playing that place. We're going, I didn't know we were going to the moon, you know, playing on a golf course <laughs> like this, but we, we played well and we won and, and, uh, was that your first ball. time going overseas? Yeah. That was the first yeah. time I ever had a passport and went over there. We had a chance to spend Jay Haas and I went to Laurie Octoloni's little golf club shop one afternoon and spent two hours with him who, if all you got to do is Google the Octoloni family and you'll realize they are golf. Uh, yeah. we, but it's all part of, 
it's all part of the training. It's all part of the, the knowledge, the, the education, the experience of, of later on. It's, you know, people think that if you do well on the PGA Tour, it starts the day you, you join the PGA Tour. It starts such a long time before then. It starts in junior golf and, and, and developing enough to play some amateur golf within the state. Then you, you, you develop enough to play to go to college and play in college golf, no matter where it might be, uh, to play in college golf. And then if you do well enough, then the next step would somewhere be in the professional ranks. And not maybe it's the PGA Tour, but it could be, you know, trying your, your craft in the mini tours and or going to Europe or Asia when I was coming up is where you went. Um, and maybe not at all. Maybe you stayed an amateur. And gosh, that, you know, being a, being a, a lifelong amateur is would be one of the greatest thrills of any golfer to be able to perform and play well and, and, and do well for many, many years and make Walker Cups and World Cups and, 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 and win a U.S. amateur and play in the Masters in the U.S. Open. So there's great you know, great careers in, in every avenue of the game. But uh, you're right. In, in, in Tony's case, coming from where he came from, he didn't have that much like VJ. But uh, you know what? They had their experiences. It's all different. But they came up through the ranks and, 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 and at an early age. So I don't know if you can blame it too much on that. Bottom line right now with Tony Finau, much like where VJ came from, it's about a work ethic. It's about your attitude. It's about uh, – you know, your heart and your will to win. And, you know, if Tony doesn't win, but a couple of times in his career, he'll do very, very well. If that's the best he can do, then that's the best he can do. But my point is do the best you can every day, be the best you can be. And if you put, lay it all out on the field, if you lay it all out there and you're no finishing third, and if you're finishing 30, 30th on the money list every year, then that's it. That's it. You're doing the best you can be. Not everybody can be Tiger Woods and DJ and Rory and and Jordan and and Morikawa now at a young age. Not everybody can be that. You know, if it was easy, then everybody would be doing that. Everybody, everybody so, uh, would be doing it as is. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, when I came up, you know, you come up through the ranks of Virginia, and you couldn't, you kind of don't know, you don't have a clue what you're doing. You're just playing good golf. You're doing the best you can, and you're and you're. And you're in, you're improving, but you really don't have a measurement of improvement because you're playing basically against the same guys. And Jay knows what I'm talking about. And then you go, you really get a sense of how you measure up is when you get older and you kind of start playing the state amateur. But you really get a measure of your of your talent is when you get to college and you start playing against some of the best in your region or east of the Mississippi or something. Yeah. And, uh, and 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 there you can make some decisions or do whatever you can do. But you're still every day you're doing the best you can do. Is is that where you? I mean, you won the what year was it when you won the NCAA tournament? Was it seventy seven? Oh, it was seventy four? You're that old? Yeah. yeah, you are that old? Yeah. What's, uh, what's three years when you get that? <laughs> yeah, so you, I mean, you little punk. <laughs> yeah, you little punk. Yeah. So was that you? You're gonna be. You're gonna catch up to him soon. With you know, if you have to have that shoulder replaced, you're gonna I know, have, you know. I'm oh, 39. Yeah. I got to get a shoulder replacement. Oh. I mean, good gracious. Let me tell you something, Jay. Let me say <laughs> one thing to you. You're a big hitter, and you hit a long ways. If you had to play where I played from, 
I'd wear your ass slam out. Yes, right. Actually, you, you told him that exact. You said that exact comment to him. This is not news. This is the. This is not the first if, time if you he said this to me. Long I live with. <laughs> hey, you know what? To that point, how about this? How about this set or this stick that these clubs that you gave me here? I know it's backwards on this. Yeah, but, yeah. Oh, look at that. Oh, you. He gave me these. Uh, you buttering your bread with that thing? Oh, look at this thing. Look <laughs> how skinny that is. What is that? Let me it's tell you. Iron. I got so yeah, you, this was a set that I guess uh Tyler's made for you. It kind of it was a replica of your uh satin VIP McGregor yeah, iron. Yeah. You know, you had them sitting in there and I was like, man, these things look great. I was like, can I hit them? And you're like, ah, yep, you can take them. I can't hit those. Um, yeah, really. I, I couldn't hit them either, but I still have them. <laughs> Actually, it's funny you said that 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 comment. We were playing at Moorhead City Country Club. I remember it, and this is when Jay had turned pro, and he had, um, you know, he got his new swing teacher, and he started. He was kind of like trying to, you know, scale everything back and whatever. And he's laying up off all these tees, and we get on like the sixth hole, and Dad looked at Jay, and goes, Jay, what, what are you doing? Jay's like, Well, I'm, I'm hitting four iron, and I put it in position. He goes, Son, let me do. Let me tell you something. <laughs> take that driver and hit that sucker as hard as you can. Yeah. He's like, because if you come back here and play where I play from, I'm with you every day. Every day. <laughs> you know what? I told Tiger that his first year on tour. Did you? We talked. We, you know, we became pretty good friends. I mean, he was young. He was, you know, innocent. And he was talking about playing the game one day. We were in the locker room about playing the game, you know, about when to lay up, just different things. And I said, let me tell you something. You start laying up, and I'm going to wear you out. Because now, if you're going to be hitting the same clothes I'm going to hit, I'm used to it. Yeah. I said, you yeah. hit that thing as far as you can. You take advantage of your length. And without knowing the numbers back then, but the numbers have proved that out. Again, yeah. you know, we used to lay up on a par five, a driver, three iron to leave it 80 yards if we couldn't get it on the green. Uh, numbers yeah. have proven it. Hit that thing, even if you can't get it on the green. Hit that three wood up there. Put it around the green somewhere. Close to the green as you can. Agreed. Was this before or after you did that interview in '96, where you, you told it was Tiger just that you'd learn? I did the interview with Tiger Thursday night of uh, of Milwaukee, his first tournament. ABC allowed me to to do that. I kind of wanted to do it. Uh, I wanted to. His 20 year anniversary of that was you know a few years ago, and it was also the 20 anniversary of his Masters win. And I yeah. wanted to to do another interview. Um, the same one. Never something different. Yeah. But it was also I wanted to do it prior Masters and I wanted to do it to show on our Thursday and Friday edition of the Masters. And it never yeah. came to fruition because, you know, at that time he he's a busy guy. But I wanted to yeah. do it and I wanted to do it from this from this. Uh, from my perspective not make fun of the of the of the interview back then but how much we have all learned in the last 20 years yeah not only well, did he learn a great deal but we all learned a great deal about think about it, it. we knew he was going to be something but no one had any idea no you know, i mean never, like michael jordan coming out of carolina like hey this kid's pretty yeah. good you know, i think he who might who would have who would have thought that that's what I'm saying. Hey, same thing. You know, you just don't know. Yeah. And the cool thing is, like, the next one is the next one right underneath our nose right now. Like, who could it be in golf or you know what? Football. Zinger said like, that yesterday. 
He said that yesterday. I think uh, he said uh, the next guy, because they were talking about Morikawa was uh, looked up to Tiger. And he said, who knows? The next guy could be in second grade. And I was like, oh, man. I was like, I was like my son's in second grade. <laughs> and I was like, no, no, no. But, but he's on the <laughs> right, right. But But that's there's a the truth in that. Like, who knows? You never know when that's that generational player is going to come around. You just uh, you just Jay, never know. You I think the next generational it. player. I thought the next generational player after Jack Nicholas was going to be, he was going to look like Michael Jordan, 6'6", maybe 6'7", incredibly athlete, a sprinter, not a marathoner, but a sprinter build and have an arc like this. When and he came out, he came out, he was 6'1", yeah. and he had all those attributes. He was Tiger Woods. Yeah. I really think the next guy, look at tennis. This yeah. next guy is going to be 6'8", or 10, and he's going to have an arc that touches the top of the ceiling yeah, and he's going to average for 400. Yeah. It's going to happen eventually. I mean, unless they roll back the ball and the whatever. Can't stop him. Still can't, can't stop that guy from hitting it. No, 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 you can't. Next you can't. Yeah. Right. So on that, that's a good transition point. I feel like to talk about that guy, that generational guy, that freak athlete. Now we're going to, we're going to rewind the clock a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about uh, Sam Snead, who I know is very, Near and uh, dear to a lot of you know our hearts from Virginia, McLean, you know, being just south of us. Um, you know, I, obviously, I know you and your dad probably knew a lot about him, but freak athlete, he was you know, could have you know, the stories that he could have played any sport and excelled at it. Dad, you, you spent some time around him. I know, um, you know, I, I personally feel like he is underappreciated at times. Uh, he didn't get talked about enough. Um, you know, his win totals are, are pretty significant, but just for who he, the character he was and the, the champion he was. So talk a little bit about Sam and, and your relationship with him. I think underappreciation is, is, is a good phrase. Uh, I'd like to get uh, McLean's take on that too, because I think a couple of things. One is he was so good. He made it look so easy. Yeah. He went through a five or six year span. He didn't win any tournaments, kind of in his prom. He was so good, he kind of, eh. you know, he won 82 tournaments in his spare time almost. Uh, but his longevity was incredible because he was such an athlete and somewhat pain-free, which is uh, speaks to his, his athleticism and his, his, his swing, which was easy on the eyes, but more importantly, easy on the body. Um, the other thing underappreciated is that it was such a long time ago. Um, the beauty of Tiger Woods. Tyen Sam Snead is that he's made, made Sam relevant the last three, four, or five years. Yeah. That awesome. people of your generation and younger have who said, is that well, who's, this, who's that Sam Snead guy? Well, now he's the guy that won 82 tournaments and the whole bit. So that's the, what I love about it. But, you know, it's, it's for, our, for our listeners, I went to first grade at, at White Sulphur Springs at the Greenbrier. Uh, I'll never forget it. Uh, Dad was a assistant pro there, or pro under Sam, and I got to meet him then. And then, you know, the relationship just went on uh, for years. Played in the Disney two ball team with him uh, one year, and uh, he was a wow. he was a friend. He was a uh, he was so much older. You, you you couldn't be but so close to a guy. But uh, you know, he looked at me one time. He said, you know, you hit it pretty goddamn good for, for all the faults in your swing. <laughs> and that was so typical Sam. 
So typical Sam. Out of, this, every, out of his Sam mouth. Sam thought everybody should swing like him. <laughs> well, you know what? I'll never forget a day in high school. My brother and I are out practicing, and I finally came to the realization that we couldn't swing like Sam was our model. And I finally came to the realization I couldn't swing like Sam, and I didn't sleep that night. But I said, okay, I got to swing the way I swing. But he was our model, and uh, he was he was so good and such a character. Hogan loved being around him because he was such a character. Hogan being the introvert. Uh, and think about, I, I just, the history of the game just, just I, I fell in love with it when I was in my teenage years, is that Hogan, Sneed, and Nelson, they all lived to be 90, which we were very lucky to, to be able to appreciate them that long. But that triumphant of players and, and what they did in the game is – it's never been repeated. You know, I, I take that back. Arnold, Jack, and Gary. Okay. Yeah. But those guys have stood the test of time. And there was no question in my mind that if they played in today's time with today's equipment, they would be one, two, three, four, five in the top five. But yeah. Sam was Sam was interesting. He he loved a good joke. Uh, uh, a good <laughs> he dirty had a joke. couple of dirty jokes. Uh, he, was, uh, <laughs> he was uh he was just the purest. Hogan was never saw Hogan hit it, but Hogan was the best. They say. I mean, hold on, wait. You never saw Hogan hit it. Never, saw, never laid eyes on Ben Hogan, Mister Hogan. Uh, but Sam, I played enough with to realize, you know, I can't do that. I I have to learn to do it another way. I can't hit the ball as solidly and as good as he did, and it was easy for him. It was easy for him. And yeah. it was uh, and it comes down to why is that? Why is that? He had incredible hand-eye coordination. Genetics. And yeah, he had good mechanics, <laughs> but there's a lot of guys with good mechanics that hit it all over that little face. Yeah. He hit it on the button every time. And it comes down to hand-eye coordination. Yeah. Hand-eye coordination. Yeah. It, it, to you know, to that point, and, I, and I'll let some of the other guys jump in, but you know. There's a lot of guys. You talked about this earlier, Curtis. There's a lot of guys that uh, that there's a lot of different swings, a lot of different ways to do it. And at the end of the day, you see some some guys like a Zach Johnson win against uh, a Bryson DeChambeau or Dustin Johnson. And for me, you know, we talked about Peter Malnati and and Peter. If he listen, if he's listening, I don't think he would be. But if he is, he's he's just a great hey, Peter. Guy. How you doing, buddy? He's he's just a phenomenal guy. Um, just the most positive guy on the planet. I've been yeah. on for, for, I don't know, four or five years now. But, I mean, I've played a, quite a bit of golf with him, and he never really flushed it. And he would probably be the first to tell you, like, that's not his thing. But he he just – he knows how to play his game and his swing, and he and he is a, he's got a, a phenomenal short game, and he plays to the best of his ability. And having that conviction to know, hey, you know what? I don't swing like Dustin Johnson. I don't swing like – Bryson DeChambeau, uh, I don't swing like Rory McIlroy. And for, in your case, I don't swing like Sam Snead. I don't swing like Ben Hogan. I swing like Curtis Strange, and I need to I need to tailor this the best that I can. I mean, yeah. you know, it, it's there, there's something to be said for that, to have some uh, have some confidence in the way that you do it. And, I mean, I wish yeah. I had a little bit more of that. I wish I'd try not to swing like Tiger Woods because nobody swings like that. <laughs> well, it's, it's – it, you know, you – when I got on tour, I had a lot to learn. Yeah. And, and I, and I, and I worked at it as hard as anybody. Uh, but I also hung around some of the old timers, mm -hmm. 
one is that I loved him to death. Two is that, you know, I might get a piece. You might go through 30 minutes of BS, but you might get a, you might, you're going to get that gem out of there. And a couple of gems is that a couple of gems was it's a game of misses. Okay. Yeah. Can you play from your miss? Number one. And the other thing, the other one was that, that I'll never forget. And I, I, I say it at every clinic I ever give is that, let me tell you something, son, when you're choking your guts out, get it on the ground as soon as you can. <laughs> get it on the ground. Don't get it near, get it on the ground. And you never forget things like that. Yeah. And you know what? They were right. Yeah. I mean, right. you probably drew on those things winning multiple, you know, events, you know, first first player to win a million dollars in a year, all these things, two U.S. Opens. These are the things that you have internally that these these memories that you've talked with these past champions that you you draw on um and then that that you're able to succeed and make these things happen it's no yeah. different for any amateur listen they 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 talk to their PGA pro and their PGA pro may give them one little tidbit one little one little mantra that they can take with them on the golf course and they they can remember that for 5 years and like oh my yeah. PGA pro told me to do x y and z and I'm, I'm just going to yeah. stick to it you know Simple is better in golf. I mean, we all know that. Like the less things you have, you know, smashed up here in, in our little brains, the better. Um, and well, what I'm saying is, when I get at the tidbits that I got that I remember and and and, and stuck with me, weren't physical. Yeah, they weren't about the golf swing. They no. were about how to play the game. Yeah, and playing the game is different than striking it on the practice tee. Completely mm-hmm. different. It's playing the game. It's learning how to miss. It's learning how to play it out of diff- different grasses around the green. It's learning. It's learning to be an, uh, the best bunker player you can be. If you can be a good bunker player, you can save an enormous amount of shots. And we're talking about we're talking about a twenty-five, say a twenty-five to thirty-year career. Were you, any good, top, were you any good at bunker yeah, play? All right, let's yeah, let's talk in your prime, Dad. <laughs> the, just just be honest. When you when you were good, there was nobody better than you at a bunker. Was there? Nobody. Was it? You know what? If I hit in a bunker, I I always said to the caddy, "It's okay." Yeah, that's what mom said. Mom now, said if it was you, a, if it was a, if it was a poor end. shot, if I'm hitting a six or seven iron or eight iron into a green to a whole location and I'm kind of drooling over, you know, like this. <laughs> and that if I hit it, if I missed a shot, then I wouldn't I wouldn't so happy about the bunker. But if if it was a two or three iron into a hole, or you know. Uh, uh, you know, in a tough shot, and I missed it in the bunker versus the tall grass. That was okay. Yeah, that was okay. That? As Uncle Bob said, "That's okay. I can, I can do from there." You know? Were you thinking about that when you when you beat Nick Faldo in the playoff there? Well, you know, it was a little bit different, and it's it's interesting you say that. <laughs> when I, you know, I had a little flyer lie out of the rough, and my concern was if I go over the green with a flyer, I'm dead. I can't make par. So I have to take the seven iron instead of the six iron. The seven iron for me to reach the front of the green over the bunker has to fly a little bit. It didn't. It came out soft. Hit the face in the bunker. Immediately, I cringed at, don't bury. Don't bury. If it buries, it's going to be tougher. Yeah. But it popped out. Now, now it was a very simple shot. The situation made it more difficult. But then you get in there, and that's what we're talking about you know, what you have in here, you kind of, you kind of all of a sudden got to say to yourself, okay, how many times have I done this in practice? Yeah. And in terms a million, 500,000, you know, I'm a good bunker player. Just do your job. You 
you you sorry sob sob you know? <laughs> do just do your job you know be a man for once in your life be a man and and you go and do it you're talking to four guys that don't know what that's like so yeah. for once in your life <laughs> look i've hit that i went up and hit that bunker shot a couple of years ago and then mike dad mikey maroney uh worked at the country club for a little while so he knows all about that shot it's oh, yeah. um you know it's not the simplest in the world um you know, that, that face of that bunker is a little steeper than I thought it would have been. You got to remember, there's three things that can happen here. And I learned this early on. I, this was another tidbit. There's three things can happen out of a bunker. You Number one, you it. skull it into the crowd. No? You can hole it. You can hit a great shot and tap in. Or you can hit an average shot, eight or ten feet, and make the putt. There's three good things that can happen. Yeah. And if you're a professional, that's 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 only three things. So when you go into like that, it's you feel like I can make par. Yeah, I was hoping I didn't have to make that eight footer. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's an important glimpse into the uh, mind of a uh, veteran tour player versus the mind of what an average player thinks about when they get into a bunker. Right. Hear what I said? I was like, I'm thinking about sculling it. The lady sitting on the second row. If I skull it. Is it going to hit her in the chest or is it going to hit her in the forehead? You know, like where, where you know, McLean, McLean, you just made a good point though, because if the one thing I can help people is around the greens, and every clinic I give, I try to try to help them around the greens in the last five minutes of the clinic, and it bores them to death. But it's the one thing that can help them today: two, three, or four or five shots. And when I see it, when I see an average player in a bunker, they have such bad mechanics. And if I tell them to move the ball up, open the club face, then regrip it and splash the sand out, it scares the hell out of them. And guess what? The ball pops out soft and lands down. So it's all about mechanics, and they just don't understand how to do that out of a bunker. But it's it's just part of teaching the game that uh, that you know that they if, if they care about you know improving. So you know that's a cool. A cool part real quickly. Um, you know, Morikawa made note of uh, Azinger helping him with some of these tight uh, Bermuda chip shots around the greens. How many yeah. times have you, how many times have you helped Azinger around the greens? Showing him you know, like how, I got to tell you, I worked, with, I worked with Paul for eight <laughs> years in TV when we were at ESPN, and we talked a lot about it. You know, and when we were back off camera, and uh, I'm not a big proponent of making contact off a tight lie with my shaft straight up and down like he he professes okay um yeah so but that's the way he likes to teach and if you're if you're 24 years old like morikawa no fear but i was taught to get that shaft leaning forward and get it down on the ball and i'm still like that so it's just a different way but we never played we never played with greens that didn't have rough around them, with runoff yeah. areas, tight lies, never played in anything like that. So really? we we never had to learn. If you miss the green, if you miss the green short in the fairway, yes, but anything around the green always had rough. Wow. Yeah. Except yeah. maybe Pinehurst, but we never played there but once a year. Yeah. 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 That's that's cool. I I, I just I just heard Morikawa. What a what an old soul. I mean, he, he's yeah. 20, 22, 23. And he, when you, when I, when he did his interview yesterday, you know, all he wanted to do was give credit to a zinger for helping him with this chipping for, uh, uh, for, uh, O'Meara for helping him with his putting 
uh, give yeah. you know credit to Tiger for helping him you know get him where he was. I mean, I don't know. This it's refreshing to see a guy who's already won four times on the PGA Tour uh, and and super talented. Just all he wanted to do was give thanks and be grateful for where he was and for the people who got him there. It's kind of cool. Um, you know, in, in a sport that's very individualistic and everyone really wants to harp on me, 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 and this is what I do. And for him to want to like say, hey, this is I'm here yeah. because of these guys. Uh, I don't know. It's pretty cool. I'm, I'm, I'm a well, fan. It's a very selfish game, Jay, as you yeah. know. Uh, you have to be all about yourself. Um, uh, and. I think that uh, golf right now is incredibly good hands with Rory, who I said earlier is really kind of been the voice of golf because he's such a good soul and, and honest to a fault and, 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 and yeah. level-headed and people go to him yeah. if they want to. And then you got, you know, DJ is, is DJ, you know, the greatest compliment I've heard about DJ from many people that never heard him say one negative thing about anything or anybody. It's pretty good, pretty yeah. good comment. Uh, you know, golf is pretty in good, good hands with all of these guys. And even DeChambeau is, you know, a, a, a little different in the way he goes about it and maybe a little brash outwardly. But my gosh, do you not like to watch him? You know? Yeah. And I like a little, yeah. I don't mind a little cockiness coming out of somebody. You know, I'm old school yeah. if you think it. You know, don't say a lot of things, but you can think them. But nowadays they say some of the things, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm okay with that. As long as it doesn't, you know, I don't want to do anything to fire up my opponent. And I think sometimes that might happen, but, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, I just keep your mouth shut and beat their ass and move on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, how do you feel? How do you feel about, you've already kind of touched on it. I mean, with Rory, I mean, who doesn't, is Rory not like the best is he not the best face of the of the game? I mean, he's so grounded. No, like if this yeah, yeah. Guy, if this guy's not like the salt of the earth, I don't know who he is. Who is? I mean, no, he, it's, it's, he really is. And I, and I don't. There's not one guy on tour that dislikes him. He and he's not like a he's not like a walk down the range. Hey, how you doing? We're all buddy buddy. Like he's not like that. He just is very honest and very genuine. And I think everyone sees it. And uh, I think everyone respects him. But you know, back to, to your point, uh, uh, what we were talking about, I, I, what is your take on the state of the game in terms of we've got, we've got 20, 30 guys, 40 guys that can win every week. Whereas I know this is similar to what it was when you played in the eighties and nineties, there was a lot of guys that were good, uh, that could play. And then right when you kind of Stop, you know, stop playing full time. That's when Tiger kind of hit the scene. And from 97 to, you know, the, you know, early teens, he dominated, but it also, the ratings went through the roof. Now, how do you, what do, what do you think? Do you think it's better to have one guy that's just like a phenom that dominates the game? Is that better for the game or is it better to have 20 or 30 guys that can win it every week? You know, it, it, it's fluctuates so much throughout the years and, and, and golf is, is, and the tour is always going to survive and do so well because it's uh, it, because of that. Uh, but, and, and it's, it's so cliche as to say that golf is bigger than, than any individual. Some individuals get to think they're bigger than the game. Yeah. Uh, not going to mention any names, but, uh, and, and, and I think, and I don't know if Tiger's even one of them. I think Tiger's so big 
people insinuate he's like that. I don't know if he even cares. I mean, I really don't. I, I'm not, I know of a couple that really thought that, you know, the golf ran through them, but I'm not so sure about Tiger, uh, but he transcended the game. I mean, he, you know, I, I often said that I said on TV one time, I said, you know what? We always wondered where the next Michael Jordan was going to be. We have him in golf. Yeah. And, you know, why was he so popular? Well, first of all, he was so good. Second of all, when he came out, he hit the home run. He he was perfect in every way. Swing, uh, ability to play the game, short game. He had the big grin on his face. Um, uh, he was African-American. Let's not forget that. Made a difference. Uh, no question. Well, I mean, it was, in it a was good an way. African-American coming a good to way. a lily white game yeah. back in the day. Now, when it, I first came out now, uh, when I first – before I came out, and when I came out, we had seven or eight black players, all wonderful players. Calvin Peake was as good as a – drove straighter than a friggin' rifle. <laughs> yeah, uh, done a match. You know, won four, 13 to 14 times. Hell of a player. But we had Pete Brown, Charlie Sippert. We had Curtis Sippert. We had a couple others out there. But Calvin really was Jim Dent. And they were all playing yeah. when I was coming out. And wonderful players, but – I don't know why. Maybe the caddy ranks. There was no introduction to the game uh, after after the golf cart got discovered and was mandatory at clubs. I don't know. I think that was the major reason. But Tiger was the guy, mm-hmm. and but he was so transcendent in in, in the way he played. Uh, Good looking kid, built like a you know like a real real athlete, and mm-hmm. and worked out and and just dominated. And caught everybody's attention. Yeah. Uh, why? Why? Why did MJ catch everybody's attention? Why did Gretzky catch everybody's attention? Pele because they were better than everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah let's that's, not that's underline theme. At the end of the day, like you can have all those other attributes, but if you're just if, if you're that much, you know, superior to the competition, it, it, it stands out. I mean, it, yeah. You but, it, but it, you're, you're exactly right, and. And something's got to make you different uh, to to tune in. And, and when I was playing well, we had Sebi and Greg, and Watson was kind of still playing well, and and Jack was still playing some. So we had a and, and Jack was the guy. I mean, whenever he played, Jack was the guy that was on TV a lot. And to answer the questions, why did Jack always get on TV when he wasn't playing well? Why does Tiger get on TV when he's not playing well? Because they drive ratings mm-hmm. and it's a business. We're on TV, yeah. we're on CBS or NBC or ABC because they don't like us so much, but they make money on us. And that's it's a business. Yeah. And so yeah. Jack was the guy that drove ratings. John Daly drove ratings. And then we get to a guy that that we haven't mentioned yet. Arnold Palmer drove ratings, but he didn't drive ratings, he invented TV golf. He invented ratings. <laughs> he was oh, there right. started. Right. And if it wasn't for Arnold, it would have been years after that before we got on TV and became as popular as we did, which encouraged Nicholas and, and everybody else to come along. So, but Arnold was Arnold was the guy. In fact, we his tournament is 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 next uh, this week, and uh, we all remember him. And I've been up there every year for for forty years and can't go this year because of COVID, but uh, we all remember him. All right. So, so on that, I, I do want to talk just a little bit on that. Um, 
about Arnold because with it, you know, being this week, his tournament, obviously, he, um, you know, uh, he means more to you and our family than, than, you know, probably most people know. Um, so, you know, I could say, tell us an Arnold story. I know that's kind of, you know, I'm going to tell you an Arnold story, but I want right, well, okay. to just back up a minute. How much, how much he means to me. I can't say too much because I still get emotional because it's, it's this week, but dad was many years was on the Arnold Palmer golf staff as a club pro. Uh, I played Arnold Palmer golf clubs growing up as a junior. Most, most years I went to wake on an Arnold Palmer golf scholarship. I won the Arnold Palmer award three times on tour, which meant a great deal. But, uh, he was just, he was just the best. I'm going to tell you, get out of this. I'm going to tell you the story. So my best Arnold Palmer story is that 1961, he had his great year on tour. So he is a nominee for the Hickok Belt Award, which is the athlete of the year in New York, always at the Waldorf Astoria. Okay. And so he goes up there, long story short, he's up there with Roger Maris and Mickey Mantle and the boxer of the year in the in the football guy of the year, it might have been, it might have been who knows. There was ten of them. Okay, they're in the elevator going up to the dinner, and Arnold comes in the elevator, and there's Roger Maris, and Roger <laughs> Maris looks down. Have you heard the story, Jay? No. Yes, so I have. But I, I, down, I've heard it. I love it. Roger Maris looks down and looks at Arnold and says, "What the blank are you doing here?" And the blank, let me just tell you, the word starts, it's between E and G in the alphabet, okay? <laughs> we got it. So Arnold doesn't say got anything. It. Knowing Arnold, the seething is coming out, okay? Yeah. What a com- he's such a competitor, too. Oh, my gosh. Such so, a competitor. He's so anyway. Such a, we what what we say now, he's dinner, a total bro. Fast forward to the dinner. Uh, the MC's up there saying a few words. And now for the 1961 winner of the Hickok Award belt, signifying the athlete of the year, Mr. Arnold Palmer. Everybody's <laughs> applauding, applauding. So Arnold gets up, and as he's going to the podium to speak, he goes behind Roger Maris, and he says, leans down to Roger, says, what the F are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> so good. Legend. Oh, it's it's awesome. beautiful Arnold. It's beautiful Arnold. Yeah. And he loved telling Did he, was he smoking a cigarette while he walked up there doing he that? Was, that he been... was sucking it dry. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> but he was just such a, you know, he was so good. And you talk about, you talk about a Pied Piper. When Arnold sat yeah. down, everybody was around him. When Arnold had a drink, everybody had a drink. When Arnold wanted to play, everybody wanted to play with him. But the beauty of him, he'd play with anybody, he'd drink with anybody, he'd talk to anybody. And he was a special person. He was he was a person who loved the game, but the game loved him back. Yeah. And uh he was he came along at the right time and uh he was he was the ultimate to me, the ultimate man's man. Yeah, he was special. He was stud I, on that. Like my little blurb. On I love that. that. I love that story, Curtis. That is one of, <laughs> awesome. one of the greatest that awesome. stories. That is so good. <laughs> so we're at like so on that. We're at the 
the Fred Myers challenge was doesn't you know doesn't exist yeah. anymore. It was Peter Jacobs' thing. Dad, I don't know if you remember this, but I was first time I ever caddy for Dad, and I remember every time I was around him. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All yeah. right. Well, I was there too this time. Podzu. <laughs> <laughs> We're out there. I'm catting for I'm like 14, 15, something like that. So I'm kind of playing, but not not much and not all that well. So after the practice round or whatever, dad's hitting a few balls. There's literally no one on the range. So I'm just I start hitting some. And so dad's helping me a little bit. And all of a sudden, like all these people start gathering. The driving range. They had like a bleacher up there. All these people start coming up. And I'm like, uh, you know, I think I'm good, Dad. He's like, No, you're fine. You're not, they're not gonna watch you. Trust me, they don't want to see that nonsense i was like i don't either so anyway well sure as heck arnold comes up and right next to me like maybe a spot down starts hitting that's the way it was he'd he'd nestle up to you oh no no so now yeah so so i'm now i'm like dad i'm done i don't he's like you're like no keep hitting you're fine he didn't now he comes over so now dad and arnold are watching me hit balls and i'm hitting with dad's club (laughs) and you know even in my clubs, it probably not remember. And I'm just every shot. I'm like, okay, is that enough? I, can I please leave? Yeah. <laughs> please stop. <laughs> and so, so when he's giving me, you know, you know, get your grip over here. I'm like, oh my gosh, please just let me just disappear right now. I'm mortified. All these people in the are like, oh look at that kid. He's never played golf before. Arnold Palmer's giving him a lesson. <laughs> but then we then we proceeded to, um, you know, that was just the. I mean, honest to goodness, to the to the day I die, it'd be one of the highlights of my life. We rode back on his plane. We flew back. Let me let me finish the story. So we you tell so we finish up and we play the tournament. And Arnold, we're going back east. Arnold says, "Jump on the airplane. We'll take it back to Pittsburgh. You can go from there." I said, "Great." So we finished Sunday, and so Tom and I are flying back in the in the Citation Ten with Arnold, and so we get into Pittsburgh. At about nine or 10 or something, we get to the house. We're going to stay at the house. We stay at the house at night, and it's about 10 o'clock. Arnold, Arnold Palmer's says, house, just so everybody knows. Arnold, I stayed at Arnold Palmer's so house. So, <laughs> says, you know, come on, we're going to go in here and have a cocktail. So, okay, what Arnold and I drank a whole bottle of Cavassier. Okay? <laughs> and he starts telling, but he starts telling stories and, and pontificating. And here's this kid who's 15 years old is hanging on every word. I'm 30 some years old, 40 some years. I'm hanging on every word and Winnie's over there and we get you up kept the next checking morning, on me. She's said, like, are you, are you tired, Tom? You want to go to bed? I'm like, no, ma'am, I'm good. Thanks. No, ma'am. I'm good. He was so sweet. So the next up, morning, Arnold says, Hey boy, how you feel? I said, I feel like shit. He says, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Look, so I wake up, we wake up and, we kind of do our thing and we're going to get, we're getting ready. We're going to the airport and dad's like, well, we got to go, you know, you know, tell Mr. Palmer goodbye. He was getting his haircut. We went to this barber shop. No shit. <laughs> Arnold Palmer sitting in this barber chair. You don't remember, you remember this dad? Like he was sitting oh, there. Oh yeah. Like, and it was, it was a country store. It was like, yeah, it was like a country yeah. store. I'm just like, where am I? It's like, you know, <laughs> what's that show now? Uh, yeah. You know, um, not wonder world, but anyway, it's, it's, it's like, Surreal. You're like, okay, here we go. And it was, <laughs> but they were telling stories, and you know, I was I was young, but I also it was one of those moments where you kind of realize, like, all right, this is pretty cool. So I didn't, as much as I might talk to you guys and you know, run my mouth, I didn't say a word that night. Believe it or not, yeah, it's hard to it's hard to overshadow a big Arnie. Yeah. I mean, what a what a, know, everybody. 
everybody knew Arnold. Everybody in this world knew Arnold because they saw him on TV. Yeah. And they felt like he looked right at them. Yeah. It was a special characteristic he had, but it was also a genuine characteristic that he had. Uh, he looked right at people. Uh, it was about taking your hat off. It was about shaking a firm handshake. It was about doing the right thing. He knew everyone's uh, name. Like he remembered everybody's I mean, name. This is the story. Like, like everyone was like, oh, this guy was so, so engaging, so genuine. And, uh, you know, he had such style, so classic, like all these words yeah. that, that lead to like a superstar. He did all of those. And like, and he just happened to be at the right place at the right time. But I, I still to this day, when, when I hear stories in, in your stories, Curtis, and other people's stories about Arnold, I, I never had a chance to meet him, but he would, he never forgot anyone. It's, it's like you know, he, he had this you know, photographic memory where if he met you one time, he remembered who you were and what your name was. I mean, what a, if there was a, if there was a great trait for a salesman, like to have that trait, I mean, how, how yeah. great is that? And which, which was, I mean, he, he was selling his, his skill set and to play golf and to, and he, and he took advantage of it from, from a marketing standpoint, you know, from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, all the way up until, you know, he yeah. passed away. I mean, he was, it was it was pretty incredible and and but not what there was there was no from what I hear no facades with him I mean he really not at all was the a most genuine guy thing I, Jay the most respectful thing I can say about my friend is that you know we all have our heroes growing up and you know sometimes we're really really lucky to meet that person and many yeah. many times that person doesn't turn out to be quite quite what you expected, you know, kind of a little different, maybe off. Arnold was not like that. Arnold was exactly what you thought he would be every single time. And That's he incredible. never, and he never disappointed. There's never no, disappointed. Uh, he got he's so mad probably, at me a couple of times. I saw the wrath of Arnold. He got mad at me a couple of times. And uh, because we were friends, you know, that's yeah. what happens with friends. But, you know, we, 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 it was kind of like in a bar fight. You kind of slap each other around and you get up and dust each other off and go have a beer and start laughing at each other again. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's the truth. Amen. I mean, anyway. that's incredible. That's but incredible. Right. All right, Mikey. Well, we, uh, we can't thank you enough for your time. We don't want to uh, keep you here all night, although we probably could, especially Jay. He's a little long-winded. So apologize about him. But um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we're, we're trying. We're trying to, to train that out of him. But uh, anyways, this has been unbelievable. Uh, I know the listeners will enjoy this when we get this out. Can't thank you enough. Uh, sorry you have to put up with Tom all the time, but so do we. So, you know, it happens. Yeah. But again, thank you. It's been uh, wonderful. I know all of us enjoyed this and uh, hopefully we get to chat with you again down the road. So, you know, thanks for having me. You know, obviously my son, uh, who I dearly love, but Jay and Mike and, and, and McLean, all of you guys, you know, keep up the good work. It's, uh, you know, people need to be entertained. <laughs> they need to get <laughs> off the, the games and, 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 and learn more about the game of golf. And, and you guys are doing it. So thanks for having me. Well, thank you. And that's hopefully what we're trying to do is have some fun, but also educate some people along the way. So 
We'll uh, we'll it. do our best, especially if we can get uh, some more educated people like you on the show. So again, thank you very much and uh, enjoy your evening. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Curtis. Thank you. Thank you. Take care.